Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. It's November, and you know what that means. It's time for our annual Noir November episode. This year, we're discussing two thrillers from 1958. First up, Ashok Kumar travels to Calcutta to investigate the death of his brother and reclaim a family heirloom in Shakti Samanta's Halvar Bridge. Then Guru Dutt must prove his girlfriend is innocent after she is charged with murdering her own sister at a train station in Prama Chakravarti's 12 o'clock. Before we begin, we would like to respectively acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. Matt! Yes? It is our annual November episode. The increasingly more and more difficult November. Yes, we have. This is, this is an episode we do every year. Uh, because it is November. Do you want to explain what November is? Yeah, so I think that was Maria Gates who started that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so at the time, I believe she was working for Filmstruck, and now Filmstruck's out of business. It's the Criterion Channel now, basically. But I think she works for Netflix now. And it was basically a way to get people talking about noir movies in November. So it's like a hashtag, essentially. But yeah. It grew from there. Yes. And... November is a great time to be watching noir because mm-hmm. it's when, you know, you fall back with daylight savings and the days get extremely short. Especially here. Yeah, especially here. They're like five hours long. Uh, and it gets dark out, very dark out, very early. And, uh, you know, the sun doesn't rise until later. And it just like, you start to feel that sense of nihilism. dread. Oh. And yes, and nihilism. And noir goes perfectly with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do this episode every year. Over the years, we've discussed uh, films from the 50s, uh, films from the 60s, as well as more contemporary neo-noirs. I would say all Bollywood noir is neo-noir. None I of mean, it was made during the, the actual noir period. Yeah, which was, what, 39 to 52 or something? Ends with the third man. Yeah, around there. But it's yeah. basically the way that a, an actual noir was noir is that they didn't know that they were making it. They just 49. thought they were making... Uh, yeah, 49. Okay. Yeah. So they were just making low-budget crime movies, and what they didn't realize is that it could be coalesced into a sort of film mode afterwards. It's a lot of German, German directors and low budgets and low-key lighting and... Um, hard-boiled detective stories or Mm -hmm. kind of books that get adapted most of the time. Mm -hmm. And that's how you make it. So I feel like every year we explain that noir... no one listens, damn it. (laughs) Noir is not a genre. Film noir is not a genre. It is a mode. It's a style. It's a certain... It's It's a a vibe. Yeah, it's a vibe. It's a bit more than an aesthetic. A mode is, is probably the best description. No, I think a vibe is the best description. People get what a vibe is. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's a vatavaran. Yes, yes. Films have to have a certain noir vatavaran. Largely your classic era of films noir uh, focus on a lot of thriller and mystery mystery films, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the noir aesthetic can only be applied to thriller or mystery films. And that also doesn't mean that all thriller and mystery films are noir. Definitely not. People make that mistake all the time. Uh, and that's a big part of why why noir is not a genre. And so I'm really excited because 
Over the years, this episode has been increasingly difficult to pull off, partly because a lot of the classic 1950s films that we've wanted to discuss, we haven't always been able to find. We haven't always had access. Uh, but this year, we do have two films from 1958, from kind of that post-Hollywood post noir period where I think you see some of the best noir-inspired filmmaking in Bollywood. So we didn't have to... We didn't have to succumb to another neo-noir or another noir-adjacent episode. This kind of feels right in the pocket of, of what we would consider Bollywood noir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are, you know, roughly contiguous with, um, I think, even the same director as uh, Shanghai. So Shakti Samata, right? Singapore. Singapore, not Shanghai. Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, it's actually, I would say that this is very much the same story, basically, yeah. <laughs> as Singapore. Um, but yeah, these are as close as you're going to get to true Bollywood noir. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Yeah, outside of, I think, when you when you look at lists of Bollywood noir, of Hindi noir films, uh, the two that, that constantly come up are CID and Bazi and those are the two that we did in our very first Noir Vember episode. So if, if you're wondering why we didn't cover CID or Bazi or Madhumadi Wokanti, we have done those films before. And some other films that I think are pretty iconic in this space, we haven't necessarily been able to get a hold of. But I'm really excited that today we were talking about Howard Bridge, which is a pretty iconic film. It's a cult classic. Apparently. <laughs> that we were finally able to watch and 12 o'clock and both of these we were able to watch thanks to the youtube channel tommy dan 333 which you you found matt do you want to talk a bit about this youtube channel yeah i'd have to look it up but there was a really good article about um kind of guerrilla film restoration yeah. In Hindi this was cinema? the rebirth of India's forgotten cinema in the age of the internet. Yeah. And it was a, a, mu a movie article. Yeah, there was. By Soham Gadre. Yeah, who follows Soham on uh, Twitter. Seems like a pretty good guy. Um, and I think Tommy Dan and another one, which is got a funny name, like the Potato Eaters. Yeah, the Potato Eaters Collective. Yeah, so these are people just taking it upon themselves to reclaim um, Hindi cinema because. Uh, as we've found out many, many times and have bemoaned many times, like a lot of classic canonical movies are just in bad shape if you can even find them. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking specifically of Sat Hindustani, the first Amitabh Bachchan movie. Yeah. Like that is, as far as we could tell, you can watch on YouTube and, you know, we'll complain about subtitles, but we can't find like a decent version that you could watch even if you understood Hindi, right? Mm -hmm. So... Much less getting something with subtitles. That, I mean, it's not made for us. So I understand not being able to get subtitles. But some of these movies are just in terrible shape. Mm -hmm. Even look at what they did to Sholay with Sholay 3D. Like, it, that should be readily available every platform, just in a beautiful, pristine edition. And I don't know if it will be. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at these low-budget uh, crime movies, it's even harder, right? Like, the people making them didn't think it was going to be important for more than a year. A lot of the times they would just throw the negative out and uh, yeah, use reuse stuff again. So that's partly that's partially why noir is so interesting because it's sort of a a mode of ephemera. No one thought that these were going to be worthy of study, 
And really, it wasn't until some French theorists looked at American movies and thought, hey, there's something going on here that we even have noir. Mm-hmm. So it's been difficult. But the Tommy Dan channel is kind of amazing. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's a he, Tommy. So Thomas Daniel has two YouTube channels, Tommy, Tommy Dan 55 and Tommy Dan 333. From what I understand, Tommy Dan 55 is where you can find the films. And they are, he says, all public domain. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Dan 333 is where you can find like clips of the songs. Which is smart because a lot of people, if they remember these movies, they remember the songs. And yeah. there's specifically one in Howard Bridge, which is pretty big in Helen's career. And mm-hmm. I think we'll play a clip from, even though it's maybe not, uh, uh, there's a few issues with that song. We'll get to that. But um, And credit to Daniel, who believes clearly in film restoration and making these films accessible, providing good subtitles. The subtitles on these were among the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, they were written in such a way that it flowed naturally like English language speech. Like, it, uh, it may not match the Hindi dialogue exactly, but it worked well enough so that we understood exactly what was going on all the time. I, I thought that he did an amazing job of translating these. Mm-hmm. And, like, no errors... And it went at the same speed as it should. Like, this is basically the gold standard for um, subtitles, I would say. Yeah. Far better than big companies have pulled off. These were both lovely to watch. And we will leave, of course, links in the show notes to both of the channels, as well as to the the article where we mm-hmm. where we learned of Thomas Daniel's channel. And there's a few videos on there showing the restoration work he did, too. Yeah. So on one side, it's the original and... The updated one. I'll, I'll say that thir- uh, 12 o'clock, some of the blacks are so blown out that it is tough to see sometimes. Sure. But, you know, it's noir. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to get really dark. Mm-hmm. So I think he's done about as good as you can under the circumstances with these. I agree. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's exciting to to find a channel that is invested in wanting to preserve these films and make them accessible because that's something that we're constantly complaining about. It's a film industry that has not... It it does revere its actors and things and does references a lot, but a lot of the times, you know, things become ephemera. They Mm -hmm. disappear. And I'm not saying that Hollywood is different. I'm sure programmers from the 50s are difficult to find as well, but, uh, you know, we don't have a show about that. Yeah. But I think we're just really excited again that we were able to... To find both of these films and to find such good versions of both of these films that are easily accessible so that we can continue our Noir Vember, our At annual <laughs> Noir Vember discussion. There's old Raj Kapoor movies on there. There's a lot of stuff that I think we'll be going and returning to, especially mm-hmm. considering how good a job that Tommy Dan has done on yeah. Uh, so I think that that brings us to discussing our first film, Howard Bridge, unless there's anything else you want to add at the top. No, apart from thank you. So Howard Bridge came out in 1958, as we said. It's directed by Shakti Samantha, who also directed Singapore from 1960, which we discussed in last year's November episode. It stars Ashok Kumar, Matt Hubala, K.N. Singh, Madan Puri, Om Prakash, and Dumal. It also features Helen in an item number, 
uh, Mara Nam Chin Chin Chu, which was her big break. She was 18 at the time, and her appearance in this song launched her career, from what I understand. It's a fun song. It, it is know, a fun song. Potentially a little bit culturally appropriate, but yes. it, it's, it's well, a banger. It, it's a bop. And last I checked, Helen is not Chinese. <laughs> no, pretty sure she's not Chinese. And I don't think the guy who played John Chang is Chinese. No. No. Uh, Madhubala was also praised for her performance. And she actually lowered her fee in order to be in the film. Hmm. Uh, because Samantha wanted her, but her the cost to get her, you know, her, her, her salary was too high. So she lowered it uh, because she wanted to be in the film. And this was the highest grossing film of 1958. It's one we've seen mentioned a lot in terms of this kind of idea of golden age of Bollywood filmmaking. If I'm not mistaken, it's mentioned in Bombay Rose, Mm -hmm. uh, the animated film that came out on Netflix last year. Was it last year? I think it was last year. Yeah, I think it was... 2020. I think yeah. it may maybe he did festivals 2019. Yeah. Then he got came out here 2020. Yeah. So I was excited to finally catch up with this film. Uh, it's set in Calcutta, which I think is always a really good it's setting a, for a mystery, town. mystery. I don't know why. Films. Yeah. But it always there's usually pretty good mysteries in yeah. Calcutta set films. Yeah. There's. A, it's because Bakshi's from there. I think so, but it's just like there's something about the way that when we see Calcutta in the movies uh, and and just in popular culture where it's presented as this like, yeah, this this city with with lots of mysteries and hidden corners. It's like Casablanca. Exactly. Or Tangiers or Singapore mm-hmm. or kind of these port locales where you run into ruffians and there's kind of shady deals going down all over the place. It's just sort of a city of mysteries, as far as I could tell from the films I've watched there. Yes, I would love to do an episode uh, at some point on like to go. films <laughs> set in Calcutta because I just, I find, I find it so interesting the way it's always presented as this, as this, yeah, this, this, this locale of mystery. Mm-hmm. Do you want to set up the plot for us? It's very straightforward. Both these films, I feel like, are very straightforward plots. Yeah, it's not really that noir plotting that you get in a lot of American movies where it's just a really weird shaggy dog story. This mm-hmm. is pretty straightforward. So, and it starts off immediately yeah. uh, <laughs> with Ashok Kumar uh, being called into his father's room and he's like, uh, your brother Madan has taken our prized family heirloom. It's this uh, golden Chinese dragon. Uh, you got to find him. Like, okay, fair enough. Um, so... We cut to Calcutta. They're in Rangoon. Mm-hmm. That's where he's from. In Calcutta, we see Madan going to this uh, kind of sketchy hotel. There's a uh, a rickshaw driver. No, he's not a rickshaw driver. There's a coach driver named Shamu, who apparently is friends with the family because he knows um, Ashok Kumar, who is playing Prim, I think. Prim Kapoor? He has it multiple names throughout the film because yeah. he has some aliases. Yeah. Um, but this rich, this uh, coach driver is friends with the family. Yeah. So the coach driver takes the Madan to this sketchy hotel where he meets John Chang, and uh, played by uh, an actor in yellow face, for sure. Uh, he's got a weird affected limp and a strange accent, which, yeah, it, it, it's regrettable. Yes. <laughs> but... Um, uh, Madan says he wants to sell this uh, dragon to Chang. Chang says, okay, yeah, 
meet me tomorrow. And meanwhile, he says, oh, Pierre Lau, can you follow this guy with your boys and rough him up and take away the dragon? So they do. And they uh, they actually kill Manan and they dump his body in Howard Bridge. What the what Pierre Lau and the killers don't realize is that there's a um, sort of lower class guy smoking chillum on the bridge, too. And he sees everything that goes on. So Ashok Kumar comes to town to try and figure out what happened to his brother, finds out he was killed, uh, gets mixed up with John Chang uh, and Pierre Lal and Uncle Joe, who are all kind of a gang together. Yeah. And Uncle Joe's daughter slash niece, I think she's his niece, but she's mentioned as his daughter at the beginning too, Mm -hmm. uh, is played by uh, Madhubala. And she's a fantastic dancer. And Ashok Kumar goes to about three different hotels and watches four or five different floor shows as <laughs> uh, Madhubala and Helen perform at these things. And he eventually solves the mystery of what happened to his brother. And I, I will say, this film has a really exciting kind of last 15 minutes. Like, it really... It's just a shame about the first two hours. Revs up the action. Yeah, I... I, I, there was eight songs in this movie. I think people can tell a we song were, every ten minutes. We were a bit disappointed by this. I think... I think it is very similar to Singapore, and I think ultimately I preferred Singapore. I think Singapore... Singapore has better songs. Singapore has better songs, although the Chim Chim one is pretty good. And I think Singapore had a lot more location shooting. Oh, yeah. This has that's, some, I mean, that's, but it looks like a lot of studio stuff. That's very notable for Singapore, because yeah. it was the first Bollywood film that kind of had that major location shooting. Yeah. Um, and in the last 15 minutes, you actually, like... You have location shooting, which is, I think, part of why it is so exciting, where it does feel rather set-bound. Yeah, they're climbing around on the bridge, getting in a fight. It's pretty good. Yeah, it does feel rather set-bound earlier in the film. Uh, but I, I did... I did Lots look- of hilarious rear projection, too. That seems yes. like the scale is off. I did enjoy it overall, and I see why you know it continues to be popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just didn't. I just didn't connect with it. It kind of, I think, as much as some of the other films that we've seen from the 1950s or we've discussed in in this November series over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it got it had a good like twisty plot. I think all of the uh, different characters. I mean, regrettably, it does feel racist in a 2021 lens. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, again, it's. This is not unique to Bollywood. No, but no. But something Helen, that is unique to Bollywood is that they kind of continue with this. You'll see this nowadays. Not that dissimilar, really. Mm, yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um, but Helen and the actor who plays John Chang, Madame Puri, to my knowledge, are not Chinese. And so they, they come across as rather gross stereotypes. And like you say, there's an element of yellow face. But... I can see why this song launched Helen's career. Like it's it's a bop. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's really cute in it. She it's it's a lot of fun. It's just regrettable that she's playing a character named Chin Chin Chu and dressed up to make her look Chinese when she is not. Yeah, still that's the best part of the whole movie, which is but, which but is yeah, too bad. It's like ho- Hollywood certainly, uh, you know. Bollywood is not alone in these kinds of problematic portrayals, especially for the time period, mm-hmm. you know, and this stuff has, this stuff, you know, you say it's continued in, in Bollywood, it's continued in Hollywood as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just look at Scarlett Johansson. So, True. you know. What did you think of Ashok I think Kumar? Because he's kind of a weird guy. Well, I just want to talk quickly about this kind of 
this the, this yellow face issue. I do think it's easier to to swallow when you're watching a film from 1958. And while I do mm -hmm. think that uh, you know this idea that film producers back in the day didn't know any better is is problematic. I think they did know better. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's it's kind of easier to accept because there's a lot more distance. Uh, than when you, than when I see it nowadays, I think you feel similarly. Yeah, and you know, you could almost say that this would be a role for someone from really really North India, like by Nepal. If you want that look, then get an actor who looks like that rather than makeup. Well, they they want the because I mean this film is it's certainly playing with Orient Orientalist tropes. It wants that idea of the conniving yeah. and evil. Chinese person like a Fu Manchu type exactly and so I think we can we can watch this film and acknowledge that that is in poor taste mm -hmm. however it is a really like fun pulpy mystery aesthetic that I think the film does pull off really well well okay so I found Ashok Kumar's character actually a lot of people in this movie like they're not exactly two-fisted adventurers right yeah like his move is maybe to pull out his bank book and give you like a hundred bucks to go away. <laughs> and he, I think he was probably a bit lighter before this. Like, do you think maybe... Weight-wise? Because he looks like Edward G. Robinson in this movie. Do you think maybe Singapore is a bit more successful because Shami Kapoor just has a lot more like vive? Yeah, yeah. Shami Kapoor, you know, he... He's a swinging 60s kind of guy. Yeah. Whereas Ashok Kumar seems like kind of like a boring 50s guy. <laughs> okay. I'd be happy to see another movie where he's a bit more exciting. But in this, like, he does check into three different hotels and then sit around <laughs> uh, watching women dance around, which, you know, I do that too. But, like, <laughs> I'm not the main character of a movie. Uh, <laughs> like, it's... It's not exactly the most dynamic character. Madhubala, though, every time yeah. she was not on screen, I was saying, where's Madhubala? And she... She's her, great. Her character is really interesting because I think to a certain extent she's set up to be a bit like a femme fatale mm -hmm. because obviously, you know, she's aligned with the bad guys. But the film the film does maybe not subvert that, but changes the course of that career. That, like, she doesn't seem to like agree. them, but she's no. kind of stuck with them. Exactly. And so I think she's she's an interesting character. I see why Madhubala, like the, why this performance of, is praised among her career. Yeah. She's very compelling. She's not a damsel in distress or she's yeah. not like someone's girlfriend. Like she's got her own sort of stuff going on. Her songs are great. Though I do agree, like especially in the first kind of two thirds. Too many love songs. We yeah. It. it just like the action starts to get going and then you feel like things are stopped for a song and then the action starts to get going again and you feel like things are stopped for a song and that kind of stalls the film a bit. She's getting chased by a cop near the end of the movie and okay, so I was fighting to stay, I was, I was, I was fighting for my life to stay awake during the end of this movie. But Not because of the film, but because of the aforementioned, it gets dark yeah. so early. But she stops and watches through a car window, like I, a whole dancing, which it was a nice dancing, okay, but I it was actually, like, that just kicks the momentum right in the nuts. That was actually one of my favorite scenes in the film, actually. I love the way that it was shot with like, like watching action through the car windows, watching her through the car windows, watching the dance sequence of the car windows. I thought that was really interesting. And it felt very noir. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sort of urban 
lens, I guess you'd say, is interesting. Yeah. But it does, like, the momentum just stops. Yeah. And this is, like, the climax of the movie. I think it's a problem. You could have done this earlier. That That's fair. I uh, was just excited by how visually interesting watching that scene unfold was. Mm-hmm. But but you are right in that, in a narrative sense, it, it doesn't completely work. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the set design in this film, too. The kind of, like, secret layer that they have is really great. So, yeah, a bunch of cops get invited into the secret lair because someone has been set up as a murderer. And none of the cops are like, why is there this secret lair full of treasure underneath this hotel? They're like, oh, a dead body. And I don't know. I feel like the Calcutta cops could probably have thought a little bit more about that one because and I'm not a cop. But it does seem like something sort of scurrilous is afoot yeah. at this hotel. I also just love K.N. Singh's face. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's Jack Carlyle. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's probably my favorite character. He's got a great villain look. If you were to remake this, he would be like an Irfan type. Mm-hmm. And he's shown up in a number of these films. So he's in CID. He's in Singapore. Like he just he has such a good face. He's in Wokanti. I I love him. Yeah, he, he's always up to something. Though. He's you look always at that guy, up to like, something. He just has, this guy. He has kind of an untrustworthy face. Um, he's, he's so good. It's perfect for a guy in this kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really I really like him. I like his suits, too. I thought that they looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Big lapels, and they're kind of different color than the rest of the suit. He had an interesting sense of style. Uh, he's... He's in love with Madhubala, but Madhubala falls in love with Ashok Kumar. And it's sort of a love triangle, even though I don't think Madhubala's ever thought twice about him once. Yeah. Well. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I might love his face, but yeah. it's not necessarily... It's a face only a film fan would love. <laughs> yes. It's just like, it's yeah, it's such a... It's very angular like, and interesting. It is, yeah. And he, I think he he does so much with it. Like, there's... He brings so much expression. He does a lot with his face. <laughs> but I just think that, yeah, it's just like a very, like, classic, like, movie villain face. Well, it's I like love. Ray Milland or, <laughs> I don't know, um, Lee Marvin or something. Like, this sort of tough guy face. Mm-hmm. You just, yeah, you like to see it. Yeah. He's not a pretty boy. So yeah, I think uh, <laughs> that's we, all we got. <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have too much else to say about about this film, but we enjoyed it. it the just, transfer was the transfer was great. Like I've definitely seen things on major streaming platforms yeah. that looked worse than this, and the subtitles were fantastic. Yeah. So uh, and there felt like the last reel uh, sound got really muddy, but I'm sure that's not Tommy Dan's fault. Yeah. I'm sure they did as much as they could, but like the rest of it was. Pretty crystal clear. I really feel like there's an opportunity for like Criterion in their Eclipse series to release a box set of these movies. Like, don't you of think like a box set of, yeah, of CID, yeah. Bazi, Wokanti, 12 O'Clock, which we are going to discuss next, Howard Bridge. Like, that would be a great Eclipse box set, like the Nikatsu yeah. Noir box set. Yeah, you would have to you'd have to figure out a, one production company in particular, or maybe follow one actor because usually there's a bit more connective tissue. I but, don't know. Uh, the pearls of the Czech New Wave is just like true. True. Here's a bunch of Czech New Wave. Films. I mean, those are all made by the Czech government, though, essentially. Okay. So, yeah, but yeah, I, it it feels like untapped territory for Western distributors. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're gonna go throw to interval. We're going to be listening to Maranam Chin Chin Chu, of course, the most iconic song from both of these films. Watch the video. It's it's a good time. Yeah. You'll enjoy it.
You yeah. you maybe feel a little bit bad, but it's good. It is good. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of the Well Endowed Podcast. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today. So that was Marinam Chim Chim Chu from Howrah Bridge. Uh, so we're moving on to the movie I liked quite a bit more, uh, 12 O'Clock. This was directed by Pramod Chakravorty and features Guru Dutt, Wahida Rahman, Shashikala Rahman, Johnny Walker, and Helen again. So, yeah, she has an item number again in this. 1958 was a good year for Helen. It's a pretty killer cast, I, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I think, I, I'm not going to lie, I think one of the reasons why we enjoyed this so much is because our good friend Johnny Walker was back and he gets a lot to do in this movie. Like, I would say that Johnny Walker is kind of the main romantic lead. <laughs> um, yeah, that's also one of the joys of November is watching movies with Johnny Walker in them. He's like if Johnny Lever was good. Do you wanna... Yeah, I don't know if he's quite like Johnny Lever if he were good. I think Johnny it's, Walker... It's that kind of like you have this guy whose job it is to go do funny stuff while yeah. the main character is doing the hero stuff. And, and Johnny his name Walker, is also Johnny. His name is Johnny, but I think yeah. like he's... He does prop comedy well. Like he'll yeah. play with his hat or he'll do something. He'll fall down. But also like he's a credible actor. Yeah, he's just like, he's such a... He's charming. He's a character actor. He's charming. He's so lean on screen. Yeah. And again, like in the same way that I talk about K.N. Singh just having like this this great face for the movies, especially kind of like black and white movies, like Johnny Walker just has this great physique and presence and a great face for just like, you know, slotting into these enjoyable character types. He's like a you Charlie again, Chaplin it, type almost, like Raj Kapoor's version of the little tramp. But he's he's swarmier than that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's his own comic persona, but it is it is one of those things like you point to like, oh, he's going to do his Johnny Walker thing. And even when he was pretty old, I think it was Chamali Kishadi he's in? He's in a movie from the late 70s or 80s we watched. And he's still pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. So even when he was older, like he didn't decline that much in uh, quality of film. Also, he did named, you look up what it was? Also, he named himself after whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not love that? Um, what am I? What film? Yeah, I'll just look it up. I wasn't able to ascertain which movie I'm thinking of, but it is sort of like a '70s or '80s movie where he's running a 
theater company and our hero kind of gets mixed up with it. But like, he still got it. Even 30 years after what I'm assuming is probably his prime here in the 50s because he's in a ton of these and is just giving great performance the whole time. Mm -hmm. In this, he gets a lot to do, actually, because he's he's an investigator for Guru Dutt's uh, lawyer character. Do you want to describe the plot? Yeah, so it's a very straightforward plot. Uh, Guru Dutt plays a lawyer. He is smitten with Wahida Raman. Uh, but Wahida Raman's brother-in-law and her brother-in-law's mistress uh, are, are up to no good. Mm-hmm. And so This also starts like right in the middle of the action, beginning of the film. Yes. Uh, so they arrange for Wahida, Wahida Raman's sister's murder uh, on a train station at 12 o'clock. That's where they get the title, 12 o'clock. That's when she comes off the train. Uh, and they stow a gun away in Wahida Raman's bag. And so she is charged with murder because when they arrive on the scene, she has a gun. The sister's been shot. She accidentally fires the gun. She accidentally. We had to go back and watch. Like, what? Why did they think that? And yeah, she does shoot it. So she ends up on trial for her sister's murder. Guru Dutt obviously comes to her aid. Uh, and yeah, because she works he, for him too. So yes, you know, he needs a secretary as well as his love interest. So he and Johnny Walker, who plays kind of his investigator, mm-hmm. uh, they set out to prove that she is innocent. And so they start investigating and looking into the case, which leads them to kidnap a child at yeah, one point baby to get a confession. Uh, this movie... They do a lot of illegal stuff. <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of illegal stuff in order to prove uh, Wahina Raman's innocence. But it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed all the twists and turns of this movie. I think it had a very kind of interesting setup with, you know, like these two guns were fired on this mm-hmm. this train platform anytime in a movie where you get the guy whose job it is to shoot the guns and then look at the bullets like these don't match <laughs> i like i love that yeah so uh i think yeah this movie is just it's got it's got some fun twists and turns and it feels very noir again we have that low-key lighting uh i think there's some lots really, of venetian blinds there's lots of lots of venetian blinds lots of use of shadows uh and lots of use of like looking at things through windows including like some bathing yeah uh i a little naughty i really enjoyed this and again i think johnny walker gets a lot to do in this film as we've already said and he is super enjoyable to watch so he has to kind of infiltrate the main bad guy's house and he does so by romancing the nanny of his uh daughter his his child he's romancing everyone yeah and then he also there's a sort of larger woman who's trying to get the lawyers to help them uh, to help her with i think it's her landlord is mad that she's dancing and making noise. Yeah. And she's kind of into Johnny Walker as well. There's another thing about 12 o'clock in this, though, where uh, the main bad guy and Wahina Raman's sister, they went to a fortune teller. And they said that the fortune teller said that the sister would be in danger from a member of her family mm-hmm. for the entirety of the year up until 12 o'clock on such and such a day. And this is admissible in court as evidence. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, we had to get the wife out of town. That's why she was staying in a hotel in... Uh, she was in a whole other city. Yeah, but I'm not like, sure where she was. That's why we had to stash her away, because the fortune teller said, and lo and behold, at 12 o'clock, she's shot by her own <laughs> sister. Like, 
Yeah, that's kind of a bullshit defense uh, <laughs> in court. I don't know about that one. Yeah, this is another one of those films that made us ask a lot of questions about how the Indian legal system works. There's also, for example, a... like, can you justifiably baby nap in order to prove someone's innocence? Yeah. I'm not too sure. Both of these movies have illegal wiretapping in them, and that's yeah. fine. And one is even brought up in court again. Um, and this also features a bit where uh, the defense. Fence. No, the, the prosecutor says they have to figure out how Wahida Raymond learned how to shoot a gun so well. And it's like, you have 15 days to figure this out. And then we never find out. <laughs> but like, she obviously doesn't know how to shoot a gun because she didn't kill anybody. So I would like to know what their investigator was doing for two weeks. Yeah, I will say that maybe the one big, I don't know, not issue with the film, but... At no point do you ever think that Wahida Raman isn't innocent. No, I don't think I've seen a Hindi, like a 50s Hindi movie or even a 60s one, like one of these mystery ones where the outcome is ever in doubt. Yeah. Like it's never, it's always clear who the good guys and the bad guys are. Yeah. And, you know, even a femme fatale type, they either have a heart of gold or just a straight up villain. It's never like kind of flip floppy. Yeah. So you never think that maybe she did it or not. It's 100% she's in the right and she's got to figure out how... That's gonna save her. Yeah, I would say that kind of of the of the kind of classic films from the '60s and the '50s that we've watched uh, for this series, I, I agree with you in that like the sense of of nihilism that you get in Hollywood noir is not necessarily as apparent here. These are kind of more upbeat films. I would I would point out Will Conti on that though because yeah. everyone's pretty sleazy in that one and. It has a sort of interior nightmare logic that yeah. I think sets it apart. But yeah, usually you know who the goodies are and the baddies. Yeah, Will Conti is great. Uh, I hadn't heard about this film at all until I saw it on a list uh, from Film Fair of the best of the best Hindi language noir films from the 1950s. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's kind of what we were using to figure out <laughs> what to watch for this episode. And we'd already watched the top two on it. So. Exactly. Uh, so I, I really appreciated discovering this, yeah. uh, which we hadn't if it wasn't for that article. And, and if it wasn't for Tommy Dan as well. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. So I, I highly recommend this film. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of, I think it has some great performances. I think it's really well shot. Uh, again, and there's some surprising stuff like this bathtub scene. Mm -hmm, uh, yeah. It's pretty, pretty sexy. I don't want to oversell it, but. For a Hindi movie from the 50s, though? We were, it was, it was hot is all I'm saying. See, uh, if Power Bridge had Johnny there's Walker in it, there's I would have liked it a lot better. Because all of the stupid comedic characters in Howard Bridge were very annoying. And it was. You know, yeah. time to do something else when they were on. But Johnny Walker, I'm just always charmed by him. Yeah. Yeah. No, he I, also has like a funny voice too. Like he's, the John Chang guy was doing this weird sort of lispy, up tilted voice. But like Johnny Walker always talks like that and it's not racist. Yeah. Well, yeah, he is. He's so good. I think there's something again about his presence there's something, he works in these films so well because there's something kind of inherently sleazy about him. Yeah. <laughs> Even though here, you know, he's working with the good guy, obviously. But there's something just kind of... But he kidnaps a baby, so... Yeah. Like, he, he'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. Yeah, there's something kind of, not hard-boiled about him, but just kind of swarmy, just kind of slippery. He would fit him. in, in like a Carl Hyacin, Florida crime book. Mm -hmm. Like, you get these sort of 
slightly over the top investigators or uh, like sleazy lawyers. He fits in well there. Yeah. He would be good in the movie Wild Things. <laughs> the item number with Helen is a lot of fun. I don't know if it's as memorable or as exciting as Marin M. Chin Chin Chu, but mm -hmm. I really liked it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I did a have a little movie. bit of an issue with this at the beginning because. Uh, I'm sure Tommy Dan did what they could with the transfer, right. but it was unclear between Wahida Rahman, her sister, and her brother-in-law's mistress. Because right. we're introduced to them within like five minutes of each other, mm -hmm. three different women in like three different rooms, and you could be confused. I was confused briefly as to who was who, mm -hmm. um, but I eventually caught up, and I think it was intentional. I think you're supposed to be yeah. sort of confused by this whole setup. Yeah, well, and I do think that, like, unfortunately... But that it was tough to see whose each face was. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, these transfers were were good, but they're not pristine. Mm -hmm. And so... For a YouTube movie, though? Not bad. Yeah. But it's just, it can be hard when we're unfamiliar with um, the actors and... You know, and the transfer, you know, we're still, we're still trying to, like, make things out because it's not super sharp... It, it was a little confusing uh, mm -hmm. at first, who was who, but I don't know. I didn't have an issue with it ultimately. Yeah, because I thought Wahida Rahman was her sister. Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning, she's arguing with um, her brother-in-law. And if you could be convinced that they're the actual married couple rather than she lives at their house yeah. with them. So I was a little confused there. And I'm also just, she I'm, goes to Gurdut's office and Johnny Walker's like, ah, divorce case, eh? And yeah. she's bringing her sister's case there. She's yeah. trying to, not herself. Yeah. I just, like, I'm I'm not sure if it's just, again, like, our, like, the transfer and our mm -hmm. own comprehension because we're not as familiar with, um, with these stars. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, sometimes there's things that we miss, like context clues that we miss in, in subtitles. So I'm, I, yeah, I agree with you that that was a little confusing at first, but I didn't know think necessarily that it was an issue with the film no i think it was the film was intentionally trying to do that a little oh, bit. okay and I, I another part i really liked is that guru Dutt has a friend who's an artist and he gets mm. the artist to kind of recreate this was really good yeah what this uh hitman looks like yeah and that does seem in line with a lot of noir where it's kind of based on dreams or sort of like freudian stuff mm -hmm. and having this guy come in and illustrate what someone saw that felt very noir to me yeah that was a really good scene okay so we uh i mean we recommend both these films but we really encourage people to catch up with 12 o'clock if if you are i mean looking, it's free go if, look it up on if YouTube. you're looking for something to watch this noir vember mm -hmm. uh and that brings us to the end of of this episode another year another yeah. year of noir vember we'll see what we do next year we have ideas we, we we are resourceful. Yeah, and before we go, I did get an email from Brian Collins, who I interviewed on the show for the book he edited called Bollywood Horrors. And he told me that it's going into uh, softcover soon. So it'll be a lot more affordable than the sort of $60 academic version. It'll be like 25 bucks. So I think it's definitely worth seeking out. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can get one. But I like that book a lot, and I... I uh, used it quite a bit, actually, when we were looking at the folk horror stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a good book, and now it's a bit more affordable. 
Um, so we will be back. We'll be back in three weeks. We're going to be taking um, a week off because we're doing some traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are we going to be discussing when we come back in three weeks, Matt? So, uh, Sardar Udam has gotten a lot of good notice. It mm-hmm. looks really good, so I'm excited to watch that. So we're going to watch that and some other movies about freedom fighters. Yes. Killing the English, because they deserve it. <laughs> in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? At Bollywood Pod on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash lovers, tumblr.com slash lovers. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin E. Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. If please you're, write and review. If you're a fan of the show, please leave us a rating and a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can get some good points. You can also check out my other show that I do with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Heart in the Movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to thank Becca Dalkey for our artwork. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the mean streets. Thank you.